Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So, Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor, executive director at Galileo Capital. Did you have a nice time at the French Hook Literary Festival? It was a, it, it was a really wonderful experience. I must say, I've, I've never been to one before, and I felt a little bit like an imposter, thinking you know, my, my books are, are, are hardly classified as anything to do with um, the literary geniuses that were around, but it was brilliant, and the, the attendances at the events were really good, and, and I must say... Uh, I felt uh, the, 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 you didn't you weren't too hard on me, which was really great. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I was distracted because we had another person on our panel, so he was your foil, and so he would step in whenever you uh, when you and the best part, by the way, of the Frontier Literary Festival by a long shot was Warren's university professor who turned up and gave him a hard time. That was fun. That was worth going to. <laughs> <laughs> to the festival for um, he seems like to have been quite a hard taskmaster at university, Warren. I'm surprised you passed. Uh, I think it. I think it was precisely because he gave me a hard time that it forced me to go home and study and be prepared for the next time around, so I could try and take him down, which I I never succeeded in doing. I'm afraid, but 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 at least it gave me something to aim at. There was also a discussion, um, the Boyke Sydney and Simon Dingle's book, which was, was quite polarizing at, uh, at the Frontier Literary Festival. And it's all about cryptocurrency, of course. You've got devotees and you've got people who wonder what on earth this stuff is all about. And it's a re- good opportunity for us to sort of look back for the last, I don't know, year, maybe two years. I don't know how far back you want to go. Maybe two years, perhaps, just to look at cryptocurrencies and to to do an assessment of them as a financial advisor, as somebody who I'm sure on a regular basis gets this frightened rabbit in the headlights look from your clients who sit across the table from you and saying, Warren, should I be buying cryptocurrencies? 100% right. And it's a, it's a, a, an area I've, I've generally avoided uh, talking about on, on on radio because it is so rabid that the debate is is it's almost as bad as as trying to discuss in America whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. You know, there's no there's no room in the middle for a sensible kind of rational conversation where you look at both sides of the equation. You know, if you're you know if I come out on air as as um, you know saying anything that's that's not 100% positive about cryptos all the time, uh, I get uh, enormous amounts of abuse, uh, sometimes quite threatening, uh, you know, on social media. Uh, and so, you know, from my perspective, when there is no scope for rational debate, it's it's pointless carrying on. So, you know, at most in the, in the last year, year or two, I've, I've, ex- and I've kind of t- told people to exercise caution uh, and, and, you know, not, not to say that, uh, that it's a space, I think that has no future or no value uh, you know, in the next decade or so, but just that that we have to be humble enough to say we don't know, uh, most of us, w- w- what this space is all about, in fact, and how these uh, various coins work and how that ecosystem works. And if you've spent any time with uh, with with, with uh, those two gents that you were talking about, you'll realize very quickly that it's a very deep, almost sort of arcane uh, field and 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 very misunderstood. And And so, you're right that we get lots of questions about it and lots of people asking me what to do. And for me, I always tend to favor the kind of idiot's guide to the galaxy, which is if I don't understand it, I'm going to avoid it. And I don't mind feeling like an idiot sometimes when I 
kind of stand up and say, I don't know. Uh, because, you know, to me, I think I, I need a fair idea of, of what I'm going to do with my money and where my money is going to be placed to, to be able to put a value on something. And, and if I can't do that, and I, I need to be humble enough to say, I just simply don't understand. It happens often in, in, you know, investing in companies or exchange traded funds and, and certainly has, has applied to every single cryptocurrency investment uh, out there and and you know to, to kind of just say i don't know um sometimes you know puts me up for abuse by people who feel very clever uh, and especially those that put some money in and made made some good money over over periods of time you know who would point out and say you're you're a dinosaur you don't understand and the world has moved moved past you Unfortunately, for a lot of people, it's you know the, the recent move moves in in uh, cryptos has pointed out that, that that there is a lot going on there that people don't understand, especially in the world of of these things called stable coins, which I think we need to talk about. All right, take me through take me through what you do understand from what you have learned, and you would have I think learned more than you appreciate that you have learned over time in terms of watching the the ebb and flow of what some people swear is the next best thing since tulips. So so let's let's start with what this looks like to me in terms of of parallels in the past and 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 where we are now. The the, the best parallel I can think of is uh, is looking at uh, the the late very late 1990s. We 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 were starting to understand that that this this thing this internet thing and especially online businesses. You know the, the phrase of the day was e-commerce. You know e-commerce was going to change the way that uh, that business was done. Uh, certainly for retailers, but but almost all forms of business, uh, and and so we had all these you know new companies that were were, were listing on the stock exchange, but very often uh, you, you know with a business plan uh, and 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 not much else, you know, just just a, a you know fabulous website and and a hope as to how they were going to sell lots of goods to to millions of people around the world. Uh, and and for a time, these businesses, you, you know, really exploded in terms of value. Did, did incredibly well. They were sort of new masters of the universe that were were taking over the world. Uh, lots of abuse uh, hurled at, at people like Warren Buffett at the time, who he was just standing up saying, "I don't understand how you put you know billions of dollars valuation on on a business simply because it has lots of clicks or lots of views or, or lots of users, but but no revenue." Uh, and and he was derided as as, as someone who didn't understand uh, the way business was working nowadays. And, and what happened was that a lot of these early masters of the universe simply faded into into nothingness. Yeah, but what we could all see was that that the internet would change the way that the world would work, and it would change the way that businesses would do business in the future. How exactly and who would be the winners? I, I couldn't see. Uh, and, and I feel we're in that uh, in a very sort of similar space now where. If we look back at that that sort of internet boom at the time, most of those companies simply don't exist anymore. And and the ones that are really dominant players at the moment, and I always think of Amazon, it was almost nothing at the time. It wasn't a big dominant player, you know, in 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 the in the early two thousands. It became a a dominant player much later. Uh, and I think we're in the same space now. We can we can look at the sort of the, the, this the, this crypto universe, and I think it's much wider than just simply coins. Uh, you know, that people want to to kind of speculate on 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 the price of a coin rising or falling. Uh, I think there is an ecosystem which is being built, and 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 the current sort of jargon for that is decentralized finance, where we you know lots of people are trying to take 
the, the power and control away from big banks that that dominate and, and feel you know lots of people feel that the banks charge too much are hugely inefficient you know and, and not very uh, business and consumer friendly and, and I think there is some justified anger in that but but this sort of world of decentralized finance says we take it away from the control from big banks and more to the point potentially central banks as well because we don't want our futures dictated by central banks who behave badly. Uh, and so, you know, people want to exert control over their own futures. And and the technology behind this is, is cryptography, which is in theory, you know, impossible to hack, impossible to uh, for, for, for fraud to happen because the whole world can see what's going on because the, the cryptography is there for thousands and thousands of, of, of computers around the world to verify what's going on. All of that sounds amazing to me. All of it sounds uh, very promising uh, in terms of a new way of doing business much more quickly. But what's always bothered me is that I think the early uh, starters in, in this industry might not be the ones that will prove to be great investments. And, and I think that we might be seeing that now. Because and these, that's, these that's the are- point. Just, just because you are wondering whether or not Bitcoin has a future doesn't mean that you are a Luddite who doesn't accept that you know, the blockchain may be useful one day, may be wonderful one day. I don't think about the internet at all when I use it, and I probably wouldn't think about the blockchain for a moment when I used it. Um, it will just become possibly a standard of the future in terms of how transactions are done. And that's great. It's absolutely brilliant. The more reliable, the safer, the more secure, the more trustworthy and reliable the better. Um, um, but it's just this, I, I, I'm often overwhelmed by the the zealousness with which the devotees of crypto um, come out, you know, both barrels firing, sometimes almost literally. And I feel what's happening there is that there are some people that, that are, are, are fundamentalists. They, 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 are, they fundamentally believe the, 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 the whole kind of modern uh, you know uh, system doesn't favor the, the the little the little man you know it favors it favors the titans of wall street and and a few very wealthy individuals and families and 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 the rest of everybody else uh, is is not not winning at all you know everyone's just running as hard as they can simply to stand still uh, and, and so those fundamentalists are often not the people that are trading uh, large volumes of coins and and large value here. These are people that hold these these coins as a as a way of tr- trying to kind of you know create this new system. But but there are individuals, companies, and and hedge funds. I think that 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 use social media uh, as a way of driving prices up because you know they're coming in with only one goal, which is to make money uh, for, for themselves only. And and they will be doing it in the crypto space, or they were doing it in the crypto space up until a few a few few days ago. Uh, and and for them, they are solely dependent on on the price rising. So so what they will do is they will come out all guns blazing at anybody that questions. The, the business model or, or, or the investor case because it poses a direct threat to their self-interest. And I feel that that's where a lot of this venom ha, has kind of arisen is, you know, s- certain people tagging onto, you know, understandable anger that the system doesn't work for everybody. But 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 un- unfortunately, a lot of the people that are benefiting from this and, and are, in fact, purely mercenary in their actions are, are those that uh, that are part of the system, you know, the, the, those that are mm. using, uh, you know, the, the kind of naivety to, to, to work in their favor. And that's uh, c- causing huge damage in, in the last few days. So I'm sitting wide-eyed across the table from you saying, Warren, should I be investing in cryptocurrency? Your one-word answer is yes or no. 
No, uh, I think uh, I think if you are, you know, allocate maximum of of one to maybe five percent of your your assets, and certainly only money that you can afford to to literally throw away. There we go. I think that's clear. In a moment, I'll be asking Warren a question from Daniel Gauch, who is PR Eng Civil. He's a civil engineer. Um, And you know that because instead of putting MBA after his title, he's put civil engineer, which is great, Daniel. Thank you for your question. Um, Regarding a rainy day fund, you've often mentioned it's a good idea to save three to four months worth of expenses in a money market account for unforeseen financial shocks. But with interest rates on the rise, I was wondering if I might not be better placed to store that amount in my FlexiBond home loan account and save on the interest there. Which would you prefer? I think it's a great question. Bit of breaking news this evening. Aki Anastasio sent me a note uh, to alert me to this fact, and I see that it has been confirmed and has been run by Tech Central's Duncan McLeod that the Mustech founder and chief executive, uh, a legendary figure in South Africa's technology industry, a guy called David Kahn, has died. And um, he was 62 years old. He founded Mustech in 1987. He moved from Taiwan to South Africa, and uh, according to Duncan McLeod, I didn't ever have the privilege of meeting David Can, but he was a well-respected businessman, enormous sense of humor, says um, says uh, Duncan McLeod. And he led the development of the country's first ever PC assembly plant, building Mustek into an 8 billion rand revenue business with a profit last year of nearly 300 million rand. No details on what happened. Um, but certainly a sudden death of the founder and chief executive of Mustek in South Africa, David Cam. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So Warren, Daniel's question this evening, I mean, do you need to put your money into a special um, interest-bearing account, so three or four months worth of uh, expenses as your emergency fund, or can you simply stick it into your home loan on the basis that you can access that money in an emergency should you need to do so? And should emergency never occur, well, you've been paying less interest over an extended period of time, and that surely is a win. It's an absolute win. I think it's a it's a it's a brilliant uh, way, way of building up that emergency fund. Uh, and just to explain the logic, there is you, you know you might earn four or five percent interest on on a money market account or you know some kind of a you know a special access account where you just store the money and and earn interest on, and hoping that you never need to use it. But if you've got a home loan, you, you might well be paying somewhere around eight percent on on that home loan at the moment. Uh, so so if you can put extra money into that and and save yourself that the eight percent interest, you, you know that's a big jump. And 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 the other you know, kind of interesting way of looking at this is that that, that saving is is obviously tax free because you're not earning interest. You're you're simply saving it. You're, you're saving having to pay that to the bank on a, on a monthly basis. But but that compares very favorably to the four or five percent, which might well be charging, uh, uh, sorry, attracting you uh, taxable interest as well. So, so you might end up, you know, saying, well, oh, gee, I'm getting 5% interest a year on my emergency fund, but actually you're not because you're giving away, you know, a, a third of that to, to SARS for, for the privilege of having that interest. So I think if you've got a home loan and, and the money is, is kind of accessible within a day or two, uh, and that's an important thing just to check before you go and put that extra money in, then by all means, I think it's a great place to, to, to store your emergency fund. Just make sure that you are financially disciplined, that you're not uh, drawing that money out and, and spending it on other things. It, it is there for emergencies only. 
And also, just understand the terms and conditions of your mortgage, because I think a lot of mortgages, as they get uh, closer to the end of their term, um, your ability to draw down on those mortgage is um, those those mortgages is restricted. It's it, you, know, you think it, you treat it like your money, but the bank treats it like its money because it has a debt which is owed to it, and it doesn't want you nineteen years into a twenty-year mortgage term to be suddenly drawing a million rand a year out of that mortgage because suddenly you feel like you need a little bit of cash flow. They are going to get a little bit sticky at that point, aren't they? Absolutely, and and I think it's 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 always worth you know before you start this exercise, checking, confirming with the bank uh, what what the terms are in terms of how much money you can put in there, and more importantly, uh, how much you can draw out if you need that money, and and how quickly, how long it will take, uh, and and whether there are any fees or, or, or penalties attached to that. But most of the time, uh, you know, home loans nowadays are relatively flexible. As you say, be very careful if you're a year or two away from maturity of that bond, but 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 if it's early you know early in the life of the bond then you should have the flexibility but don't assume it you have to check because this is your emergency fund you're going to need this money when things have gone horribly wrong and that's not the time to start finding out about terms and conditions absolutely right so daniel um, brilliant idea absolutely right particularly with interest rates going up um, you don't want to be sitting with a huge liability in your uh, mortgage bond you want to be keeping that as low as possible and only drawing on that cash in desperate circumstances. Treat it like the emergency fund and you'll be absolutely fine. A good question for today, I suppose, is what is the repo rate? We've got this weird thing where there's a repo rate and a prime rate and then some people get a discount on the prime rate and other people get a um, get get to have to pay more than the prime rate if the bank thinks that they um, there's too much risk in lending the money. What is the repo rate and why does it exist, Warren? The, the repo rate uh, really matters because it's the rate uh, that, that the South African Reserve Bank charges the commercial banks w- w- when they borrow money from the, the Reserve Bank. So, so it's it, it's maybe not well known, but that's that's what happens in our country. That a lot of the time, uh, the, the commercial banks won't keep all of the money that uh, that, that they need, uh, you know, in, in their own vaults. That they will rely on the Reserve Bank to to lend the money from time to time, very often at very short notice, to to cover their liquidity requirements as well. So, so when when the Reserve Bank adjusts their interest rate, it has a huge impact uh, on everybody else because it means that uh, the banks are going to pay a higher interest rate. Uh, so, so as of today, for example, when, they, when, when the Reserve Bank says we're pushing up uh, interest rates by half a percent, what they're saying is we're pushing up the repo rate by, by half a percent. And that means from tomorrow, banks are going to have to pay half a percent more per year. It's, it's now going to be a level of 4.75% a year, but they're going to have to pay that when they borrow money from us. And, and immediately what happens thereafter is that People like you and me, Bruce, we're not able to borrow money from the Reserve Bank. We're going to borrow it from the commercial banks, and they're going to be charging us that, that extra half a percent as well because they're not a charity, and, and they're, going to, they're going to keep their margins. And, and, and if you contrast that, that repo rate at 4.75, compare that to the interest rates that most of us would be charged, which is prime, and, and that's at 8.25, for example, at the moment, and, and then we see where, where the banks are making the money. It's that difference between the repo rate and, and the prime rate. Thank you, Warren Ingram, Galileo Capital this evening uh, with personal finance. Warren Ingram is a director at Galileo Capital. He's a personal financial advisor.